and welcome back to the Tasteful History Podcast. I'm Sasha, and today I'll be talking about Queen Juana the Mad of Castile. Now, one thing to mention before we actually start talking about Juana herself. Juana la Loca is her name in Spanish, like, plus the, the mad nickname. But in English, it would be something like Joanna the Mad. So if you see her called Joanna or Joan, it's just Juana, but I'm going to be calling her Juana the Mad because I kind of like the name Juana. So anyways, here we go. Make sure you grab some tissues because the story includes terrible parents, especially a terrible father, an even worse husband, a son who didn't give a crap about his mother, and an unfortunate young woman being locked up for more than 40 years. So, Princess Juana of Aragon was born on November 6th, 1479 in Toledo. Toledo or Toledo? I don't know. Okay, so Toledo, a city in her mother's kingdom of Castile. So, Juana's parents were Fernando II of Aragon and Isabella I of Castile and Leon, aka the Catholic monarchs. So, they had, like, five children. Juana was the third child, so exactly the middle child. She had an older sister who was named Isabel. You could also call her Isabella, but we're going to be calling her Isabel because the mother is also named Isabella and everybody is named Isabella. Oh my god. So, okay. There's also an older brother, Juan, and two younger sisters, Maria of Aragon, and someone else you may be familiar with named Catherine of Aragon. So, around the time of Juana's birth, the Wars of the Roses were in full swing over in England, Protestantism was starting to become a thing all across Europe, and the Renaissance, it was just pretty much starting. And another thing, Spain wasn't exactly unified yet. So yeah, here is that long discussion. So the Iberian Peninsula in 1479, it was not a unified kingdom. So you're going to hear about it a lot. There was Portugal, which is like its own separate thing that sort of becomes part of Spain with Juana's like grandson, but they never like stayed unified countries the way the other kingdoms. So these other kingdoms were Aragon, which Juana's father ruled, Castile and Leon, which Juana's mother ruled, and Navarre, which doesn't really matter for today's story, but in the future, we will be getting to know Navarre, I guess. So Juana's mother, Isabella, married her second cousin, Fernando, for alliance reasons, but it was actually a secret wedding. I hope you already know all of this or just do some research on Isabella herself because this takes forever to talk about. This is like its own one hour episode in itself. I hope you know all this. Anyways, with Fernando's help, Isabella claimed the throne of Castile. Complicated story. I'm very shortening it here. And then Fernando became king of Aragon and everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah, sure. So, Castile and Aragon were not one state, they were just ruled by a married couple, which meant they were sort of united, meaning like they were allied, they were never really at war because the people who rule them are married, but they were still separate states ruled by separate people. Because their leaders got along, the states got along too. 
Sometimes when one person is in charge of two countries, they leave one country to a relative and another to another relative. So an example of that is when Juana's son, Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, became King of Spain and Holy Roman Emperor, he left the Holy Roman Empire to his brother and Spain to his son. So yeah, that's what most people did. But Fernando and Isabella had only one son, Juan, and I don't think that they had any other close relatives to give like kingdoms to or something. So once one of his parents died, he would inherit that parent's kingdom. And then once the other parent died, he would be inheriting that other parent's kingdom. And then Castile and Aragon would be under one ruler after both Isabella and Fernando died. So, because Juan was the son, he was going to become king next. So, obviously, he was being raised for that role. But Juana's mother was not educated well, but she became queen and she needed to rely on her husband a little bit, not too much. Even if her daughters were only going to become queen consorts, they still need to be educated well. So that was a very good thing for Juana and her five, no, not five sisters, three sisters, because Queen Isabella wanted to educate them. None of them were expected to be monarchs in their own right because Juan, but of course they were going to be consorts, so it's better that they knew stuff if they wanted to become queen consort. if, well, they were going to become queen consorts, whether they wanted to or not, so better that they knew stuff. I'm not going to be saying so much about Juana's parents, this is already like the third, fourth page of my notes, because that's like a whole new story we have to talk about someday soon. But I'll introduce you to Juana now. She had pretty blonde hair and blue eyes and was an introvert who liked to read. She was very smart, she learned many languages, and she was also good at pretty much everything else. Isabella wanted to educate her daughters well, and they were. They learned history, my favorite subject, law, philosophy, math, yep, she had to deal with that too, and a whole lot more. Queen Isabella, she was a very strong woman and all her daughters inherited that trait as well, especially Juana. And because of all that, Juana and Isabella, they did not get along amazingly. Isabella was a very Catholic kind of person and having the woman who helped start the Spanish Inquisition as your mother, that is only a teensy weensy bit scary. But Juana was a rebellious child and she was not Catholic enough for her mother. That made Isabella angry, so she, wait for it, tortured Juana. One form of torture that may have been used on the young princess would have been la cuerda, which basically meant that Juana's arms, okay, like, skip ahead 30 seconds-ish if you don't want to hear this. But this basically meant that Juana's arms would be tied with ropes and the ropes would be tied to something which they would hang from and her legs, they would have weights tied to them. So the point, the idea of this was like if you leave that person hanging long enough, their arms and legs will basically fall off because they're being stretched. So Juana's arms and legs never fell off, thank God, but it's important to mention that Isabella might not have actually done this to Juana, they might have just been like every normal mother and daughter and just like yelled at each other, thrown stuff, broke windows or something. Juana was the third child and surely never would become queen. Her brother Juan, he would inherit first and after him, her sister Isabella. 
and then there would be no need for Juana, so all she had to do was get married. And here we go. In 1496, 16-year-old Juana was betrothed to the 18-year-old Philip the Handsome, Duke of Burgundy. Philip was the son of the Duchess of Burgundy, Mary, who was a truly amazing woman from whom he got his title. He was also son of Maximilian I, the Holy Roman Emperor, so that definitely helped him. One thing that didn't help, even though his name was quote-unquote Philip the Handsome, he was really, really ugly. So just look up a portrait of him, like, look up Philip the Handsome. He is like... I think Philip the Ugly fits, but I'm pretty sure Philip the Handsome is also, it, like, whatever his name was in whatever language, it's also sometimes translated to Philip the Fair, so it might, his name might mean Philip the Fair, which actually kind of makes sense, he's very pale-skinned, so yeah, it did not matter at all if Philip was handsome or ugly because Juana and Philip were going to get married anyway. It was amazing for the parents. You have to see how I'm waving my arm. I wish you could see that. It's like, okay. Anyways, it was a great alliance for the parents. Juana was lucky because she didn't have to marry some, like, 50-year-old dude. She's just a few years older than her. It's fine. So off she went to Flanders. Juana arrived in Flanders where Philip was, and it was quote-unquote love at first sight. Philip and Juana were so attracted to each other in the beginning that they did not want to wait until the day the marriage had been planned, which I think was supposed to be the next day, and they decided they had to get married at that moment. They ran off to consummate the marriage the literal second they were married, so like, they want to get married just so they can consummate it, so like, yay for them because they like each other, they, they're very attracted to each other, I guess. So, Juana was very much in love with Philip, like, after this whole, I want to go consummate our marriage thing, but Philip, he quickly moved on, I guess, and he was just, like, horrible. He's an absolute piece of trash. Someday, I might make an episode, like, a special episode, I guess. I think this is going to be, like, a perfect idea for a special episode. The horrible men in Juana the Mad's life. That would be a very good idea for a special episode. But for now, just know that he is horrible. Terrible the worst. Even though he'd seemed to be super in love with Juana in the beginning, he soon proved to be horrible, horrible, horrible. He had lots of affairs and wasn't really that secretive about it. He was just like, hey, I'm having an affair. Hi, Juana, this is my mistress. Juana came from Spain where... Her father would obviously be having all these like mistresses and illegitimate children and if you look at his wikipedia page he actually was so it's like but he was not very open about this he was not like going around telling anyone like hey this is my illegitimate child this is my mistress he wasn't being all henry the eighth he was being very he's like keeping he was keeping this whole thing private that's why queen isabella never had a problem with him but Philip is not. He's the opposite. He's very Henry VIII, and actually, when they make a little stop in England really soon, Philip actually gets to meet Henry, and yeah, it's like, he sort of like goes and like mentors Henry, I guess. Like, hey, this is how you have to be. You have to be horrible. Let's just be horrible together. We're going to be amazing, horrible dudes. 
So, Juana is living with this piece of trash who was having affairs with literally everyone and also telling literally everyone. Philip's father, Maximilian, who had had a very close relationship with Philip's mother, Mary of Burgundy, probably tried to make Philip have a little more respect for his wife, but that probably did not work. It, not probably, it definitely did not work. Philip was always having affairs and stuff, right? Does that mean he took some time to spend with Juana, who was completely in love with him? Nope. Juana's parents hadn't been in love or anything, but you can see that they respected each other. And like I just said, Fernando was like kind of secretive about his affairs. Juana, on the other hand, she was stuck with this guy who didn't pay attention to her or respect her. Juana, understandably, she was pretty angry about this and she would yell at Philip and was generally not happy about all this affair stuff. Remember that because that really does become important later on when Philip becomes like a doubly worse guy and I know you might be thinking this is totally not possible, but it is. But remember how Philip had fallen in quote-unquote love with Juana when he first saw her? Seen? Saw? I don't know. Well, she was still really pretty and it hadn't been long since they'd married. So, Juana, over the next 10 years of her marriage to Philip and she dealt with him for 10 whole years, she had six children with him. First, it was a daughter named Eleanor. Eleanor became Queen of Portugal by marrying a guy whom two of her aunts, Isabel and Maria, had previously been married to. Gross. Absolutely gross. This is like before the- not like- this is about the time the Habsburgs started their whole inbreeding. It was Juana's children that would be like the progenitors of the inbreeding. But that's like totally weird. That's like, I've never heard of like that level of inbreeding. I don't think it's even inbreeding, but it's just gross. So she married someone who her aunts hadn't married, this Eleanor. She married King Francis I of France. Then came Charles V, the future Holy Roman Emperor and King of Spain. Remember him? We will come back to him in a moment. After Charles came Juana's second daughter named Isabella because literally everybody is named Isabella. Oh my god. Okay, so this Isabella became Queen of Denmark. After her, Juana had Ferdinand. Remember him? Something really weird is going to happen with like Ferdinand, Juana being pregnant with Ferdinand. And then, like, Philip doing some crappy Philip stuff, and it's just horrible, horrible, terrible for Juana that she's married to this piece of crap. But anyways, we will mention him later. So, after him, Juana has daughter three, Mary, who would become the Queen of Hungary and Bohemia by marrying King Louis II of Hungary and Bohemia. Juana's last child was a little girl named Katharina, or Catherine. I'm just gonna call her Catherine because some places they call her Katharina, sometimes they call her Catherine. I think just like the translation of her name into Spanish or whatever language. So yeah, she later becomes Queen of Portugal by not marrying the one her aunts married, her aunts and sister. She marries King John III, who is like the son of her aunt, so still her cousin, so this is still inbreeding. Like I said, Juana's children were sort of like progenitors of the inbreeding. So some fun facts about how horribly Juana was being treated. About horribly Juana. Okay, anyways, and these all only come from one source, which obviously is like 
factinate.com. So they're probably, they might not be accurate because I couldn't find another source that says the same stuff. But I think it would be nice if I just told you what they are so you get a better picture of how Juana is being treated. And I honestly think that these are believable. So apparently, Philip treated Juana like a prisoner and basically locked her up and didn't let her leave her castle. He also may have, after Juana gave birth to the first daughter, Eleanor, not given her any money to support the child because it wasn't a son piece of crap, Philip. So he may also have not been giving Juana the money to actually support herself. So this is sort of what we see happen with Charlotte of Wales and her father, King George IV. Juana did not have enough money to like do royal stuff, wear royal clothes, eat royal food. I mean, she might have been eating royal food, but just basically be a royal. She did not have enough money to do that. Philip, such an awesome husband. Now, you might think things are looking good for Juana because she has so many children now and, you know, maybe if Catherine of Aragon had had children, Henry VIII might have treated her better and he also started telling close to everyone who mattered that Juana was crazy because she couldn't put up with his crappiness. So, now that Juana was princess of Asturias, she outranked Philip who was only like Duke of Burgundy. So, like princess higher than duke which wasn't exactly something he was happy about they argued more now that juana was more important than him and then philip does something really horrible again philip is just the best isn't he so to recap most of juana's siblings are dead so she's the heir now her husband treats her like crap and by this point she has three kids eleanor charles and isabella not her mother she did not give birth to her mother that's weird and guess what Juana happens to be pregnant again. This time, Philip stays in Spain with his wife and apologizes for being such a horrible husband, and they live happily ever after. Wouldn't that have been nice? So basically, what happened this time is that Juana's mother, Isabella, was dying. Juana was devastated that her mother was dying because it's her mother. Do you expect her to not be devastated? So it's kind of understandable. She was so sad that she stopped sleeping and eating, and then Philip, oh the very courteous Philip, went back to Burgundy while his mother-in-law was on her deathbed, and while his wife was literally not sleeping and eating because his mother-in-law was on her deathbed, I think it's just like to go and have some affairs in peace. <laughs> He's horrible. Juana, who had always been so much in love with Philip, wanted to go and get Philip and begged her mother to be allowed to go, but Isabella and this definitely makes me think that she never tortured Juana with that La Cuerda thing. She actually didn't let Juana go. It was literally the 15th century though, so travel was pretty dangerous. And it was even more dangerous because Juana would have to travel through a war zone. I think she would have to go through France. And France and Spain, not best friends. And she was pregnant, so things would be doubly dangerous for Juana. So Isabella did not allow Juana to leave Spain. I really hope Isabella thought her son was, her son-in-law was such a horrible dude and just wouldn't that be nice though? The daughter is in love with Philip so much that she wants to go through a dangerous journey to see him, but the mother, she knows he's horrible. So understandably, Juana's mental state got even worse because she wanted to be with Philip, but her mother would not let her go. 
Juana had to actually stay in Spain near her parents and all that stuff until she gave birth to a son who was named Ferdinand. Actually, it was like in Spanish, I believe it's Fernando. And then like, it's also called like, it's sort of like named after her father. So anyways, after she gives birth to Ferdinand, she begs her parents to let her leave again. And then they said, no, Juana, she was Juana. And she wasn't going to put up with that. So Juana, she literally threw herself onto the castle gates, screeching, and was only stopped when she was, like, super tired. Her throat was, like, I imagine her throat was aching. And she just couldn't keep screaming, and she was just really tired. And poor Juana, honestly. Everyone around her is horrible, horrible, horrible. So Juana only wants to go back to her husband, but her parents aren't letting her because... Like, they just don't like him. They know he's horrible, and they just hate him. So, they weren't good parents before this, but I think, like, they didn't know it, but they were being, like, really good parents now. So, a year after Ferdinand was born, which meant that Juana was waiting, like, a year and a half to go back to Philip, and she's just, like, I don't know, her mother is dying, and she's just given birth, and her husband's left her, and it's horrible situation and she's living like this for a year and a half like wow so a year after ferdinand was born juana's parents let her go back to philip who was in flanders flanders and spain i'm calling it spain but it was still all those little kingdoms i mentioned at the beginning they were really far apart by 15th century standards and honestly any standards. I think that's just like these days it's like a two hour flight. I just looked it up. So yeah, this is like going to be taking a long time in the 15th century. And that's precisely why Isabella and Fernando weren't letting Juana go in the first place. It was too long and dangerous for her, even more so because she was pregnant. So Juana, after the long, dangerous journey came to Flanders. She literally ran to Philip, like, the moment she got there, she did not take time to, like, go freshen up and, like, get her stuff in order and, like, rest for a night and then go to Philip. She literally went to Philip immediately. And then she just, like, went to his bedroom, I imagine, and guess what she saw? Philip was, like, actively committing adultery right there in front of her. So obviously it's very awkward and Philip was like committing adultery and then Juana just like walks in and she's like, oh my god, my husband and another woman, ew, oh no. And Juana, okay, remember she outranked him now and she wasn't going to exactly put up with him committing adultery and right there in front of her eyes. I so she's not going to tolerate this. She'd just gone through this like long and horrible journey after like waiting to go to him for a year and a half and then she just walks in on her husband actively committing adultery so what else is she supposed to do and oh yes she did something so what juana allegedly did was grab some scissors that were just sort of sitting around and stab this lady in the face after cutting off her hair okay if that didn't get philip to like look at Juana and say, oh my god, you exist. What else could? Well, Philip just, meh, I'll take another lover. And then he just did that. 
So that obviously didn't make Juana feel any better. Juana just, she wasn't mad. It was the people around her who made her become mad. So because Philip doesn't even care that his wife stabbed his lover, what does Juana do? She gets some love potions because oh yes she does. All the witches must have just like stolen her money and given her defective potions because Philip did not fall in love with her. I guess witches were no match for Philip. On top of this, like all this that is going on, Juana, she walks in on her husband actively committing adultery, her mother is on her deathbed, her father is just like, I don't know what her father is doing, but she's just gone through this long and horrible journey, she's just given birth, her mom is on her deathbed, she walks in on Philip actively committing adultery, but on top of all this, guess what happens next? Oh, it's nothing big, just that Queen Isabella died, and Juana was Queen of Castile. So yes, that makes Philip an even worse guy because right now he's going to be like, oh my god, your mom's dead? Oh, that's really cool. I'm king. And yeah, he's just going to be even more horrible from this point on. So before Isabella died, her husband Fernando obviously had a fair amount of power in Castile because Castile and Aragon, they were supposed to be sort of united but not united completely yet. So... Now that Juana was monarch, she wasn't exactly going to be like co-ruling with her father the way her mother had. So Fernando wasn't going to have that kind of power anymore. But Philip, who definitely would have and could have become her co-monarch, was just her consort and could only take power if Juana was not able to rule. And that meant if she was mad. But you know what's a good thing for Juana? Isabella had despised Philip along with Fernando, and in her will, she had made sure that it would be pretty hard for Philip to have any sort of power in Castile, even if he tried really hard. But luckily for Philip, on the other hand, even though his father-in-law did not like him, they both were pretty much doing the same thing. And in the process of doing the same thing, they were helping each other do that thing. So even though they were like sort of working together, they did not know it. So what were they doing? They were trying to make sure that everyone thought Juana was crazy so that they could rule Castile. So like I said, they were working towards this similar goal and they both wanted to like overthrow Juana or something like that. They did not like each other. So even though they were sort of doing stuff that benefited the other one, they were not working together. So Fernando's strategy was remarriage to basically be like, okay, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a son, Juana's not going to inherit Aragon, my son will, and everybody will live happily ever after except my daughter. So his new wife was Germaine of Foix, I think it's Foix. I should be able to say these French names. The poor lady was 18 though, and Fernando was like 54. This is like Isabella of Burgundy, Rudolf the First level craziness. It was like Rudolf the First was 66, and his wife Isabella of Burgundy was 14. This is like horrible for those two poor women. Anyways, I wonder how she felt about that. Anyways. Juana had not returned to Castile yet, and how was she going to rule Castile if she wasn't there? 
So what she and Philip decided to do was go back to Castile because they had to rule it, but they got shipwrecked, which actually turned out to be very good for Juana because they landed in England, where like under different circumstances they would be like held captive and then be ransomed off, I think. But Juana's sister, and she was very close to the sister, Catherine of Aragon, was there. So what, what was Catherine of Aragon doing there? Well, she just married Henry VIII and would become Queen of England really soon. Juana was super happy to have met her sister again because I don't think she had seen any of her siblings again after all of them got married and she had gotten married. But Catherine was also very happy to see Juana, and I just think it was a really good time for both of them before both of their lives became absolutely horrible. But that did not last forever, and Juana eventually had to leave and go to crappy Castile, where her crappy life resumed. Like, Castile was crappy for her, I imagine, because it's not- she was more happy in England, and that- because she was with her sister, and you know, but- I guess to her, Castile would have been a little crappy after having to go back. So anyways, at least pretty much everyone in Castile liked her and Philip instead of Fernando and Germain of Foix because Germain was French, and Castile and France, they weren't exactly getting along the way the Holy Roman Empire and Juana's Kingdom of Castile were getting along. So Fernando, he knew what was going on. But I think he just wanted to keep it from Juana at this point, so he basically tells Philip, Hey, you can rule Castile, but my daughter, she's totally insane, okay? She is unfit to rule, you understand? And so Juana, because of all these horrid men, had no power and living the worst life possible. I started researching someone, think their life is horrible, and then I always find someone whose life was even worse. And then there's Juana. I do not think I am going to find anything worse. So I hope I don't. And then something even more horrible happens to Juana. Honestly, at this point, call her Juana the woman with the horrible men around her. Because, I mean, this one is kind of good for us, but like nothing better could have happened, but Juana just, poor her. Philip died. But remember how Juana was like madly in love with him? Well, she wasn't as happy as we are. Juana went completely mad, quote unquote, according to all the horrible men in her life. She didn't want to leave Philip's corpse and allegedly treated it like a living human, like taking her meals next to it, sleeping next to it. And Juana, she's not really mad, even though she's doing all this, because these are all like mostly rumors, I believe. And Juana's just not mad, she's just like very much in love with Philip and she doesn't want to accept the fact that she's been widowed. So Juana's just not really mad. Juana was also pregnant at the time Philip died, child number six, and she gave birth to a little baby daughter named Catherine. And also even though his daughter is clearly busy with a new daughter and her husband's corpse, Fernando is still going around telling everyone, hey. My daughter is completely crazy. Thank you for listening. And he's just like, my daughter is crazy. Her husband is dead. Who else is going to rule for her? Oh, me, of course. 
I'm the only person who can do it. Oh, my poor crazy daughter. I have to rule for her. And, oh, and just like, by the way, little side note, totally not important at all. Philip might have been poisoned by a little someone called Fernando. So, yeah. Horrible dudes, both of them. We don't like them. The end. Anyways, when the plague came along in Castile, Fernando back in Aragon rushed over to Castile, and he did not, like, rush over to Castile. He gave the plague a little time to die down. So when he did come back, fewer people started dying of the plague, and because everybody was really superstitious, they were like, King Fernando, he's stopping us from dying. Queen Juana isn't. So what could that mean? Well, it obviously meant Fernando was better suited to be ruling Castile than Juana because the gods were against Juana's rule and therefore Juana was unfit to rule and also Fernando was also telling everybody that she was mad. So mostly people chose Fernando over Juana and what Fernando does, total horrible move, he made, tried to make Juana signed papers that basically gave all her power to him, but she refused, so he had to force her into it. Juana was pretty much imprisoned in a convent because she was mad, quote-unquote, and she was also separated from all her children who were going to be raised by her dead husband's sister. Juana did not allow her youngest daughter Catherine, Katharina, whatever, to be taken away from her, so Catherine was actually raised in the convent while Juana was imprisoned. So at least Juana got that little bit of happiness having her little daughter with her. But another good thing, because so many good things are happening, but not really for Juana, Fernando died. And he'd had no children with Germaine of Foix. I think I finally got the pronunciation Germaine of Foix. So Juana was now Queen of Castile and Aragon, but she was imprisoned in the convent, so she had no power. And her son Charles, I think he's sort of like directly inheriting everything so even though juana was supposed to be queen her son charles has all the power and probably also has the title of king he came from flanders to become king of everything but didn't let his mother out of the convent at least he didn't kill her how emperor nero killed agrippina the younger yes there were worse sons so charles is not the worst son but he is still pretty bad so, a few years after Charles took over, there was a teensy-weensy-teeny-tiny rebellion to remove Charles because he hadn't been raised in Spain, and he was more Habsburg-y than people would have liked. His younger brother, though, Ferdinand, the one who Juana had had when Philip left and all that ugly stuff that Philip did, had been raised in Spain, and Fernando, Fernando the father of Juana, wanted to name Ferdinand as his heir because he was raised in Spain, and also probably because Ferdinand is named after Fernando. And while we're talking about names, you could also call them both Fernando or Ferdinand. So you could call Fernando Ferdinand, or, or you can call Fernand Fernando. You can sort of call them either one, but I'm calling them by these two different names, so you just get a little less confused. So anyways, Juana was Queen of Castile. So as long as people revolting, the ones who were revolting against her son could get her blessing to like reinstate her as queen or just like keep rebelling, I guess. They were fine. And so it was Charles, Juana's son, 
trying to get his mother to approve of him, but at the same time, the people rebelling against him were also trying to get Queen Juana to approve of their rebelling stuff. I did not research this whole thing because I already knew how it would end, and not really an ending I was pleased with, honestly. So Juana, she has all the power in this situation, the future of Castile depends upon her, but to sort of like stop all this war and make a more stable kingdom, she just like waited a long time and decided to give her support to Charles. And guess what Charles did? He freed his mother. How amazing would that have been? So Juana, who had been imprisoned in the convent for quite a while now, was actually starting to appear a teensy bit insane. So the nuns in the convent were obviously supposed to be taking care of her, but she thought they were trying to kill her. And honestly, that's a perfectly rational fear after all that's happened to poor Juana. Her horrible son made sure that nobody was even able to speak to Juana. And remember her daughter Catherine slash Katharina? Well, Juana did not even have her anymore. She was married off to King John III of Portugal, who thankfully for Katharina was not the one that her aunt and sister had married. So we don't know exactly what sort of condition Juana would have had, but she certainly had some sort of condition. And I don't really believe that she was crazy as much as she said that she was crazy. Like, not she said that she was crazy, but she was said to be crazy. Not that much. But anyways, it just got worse and worse, whatever condition this was, until Juana actually did appear to be insane. So after 46 years of being stuck up in a convent, becoming just as insane as her horrible son, father, and husband had told everyone she was, Juana died at the age of 75 on April 12th, 1555, 46 years of being imprisoned, even though she most likely was not mad. So yeah, this is like horrible story. I don't think I'm going to be finding anything worse anytime soon. I'm going to try looking, but I don't think so. Maybe Joan of Arc. I think that's in two weeks. So yeah, uh, November 8th, which is the day after, I think it's going to be the day I'm going to put this episode out. That is Latisse Nolly's birthday yesterday, if I'm putting this out on the 7th, but November 8th. November 8th will be Latisse Nolly's birthday, so make sure to wish her. Actually, it's Latisse Nolly's, but I don't know. I don't really know how to pronounce her last name. I'm working on that. She's the next episode. But anyways, Juana's birthday was on the 6th, which is like a few days ago, depending on when you're listening to this. So a note on the birthdays, make sure to wish them both, even though it's probably too late to wish Juana. And I will see you next time.